Robert Adam. Uh, dear Father, we are so thankful for Adam and the way he served our youth ministry, um, Lord, and the way that he has blessed us. Lord, I pray that you would multiply those blessings onto him. God, I pray that he, in this new role, would be able to just serve our church um, just powerfully and with grace and um, and just this kind of spiritual authority that he brings to our church. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless that. Lord, I pray that you would continue to grow the youth that he has taken time to pour his heart into and to give wisdom to. God, I pray that we don't take it lightly. God, that we take these things and we apply it to our lives. And um, and we hope that for the next youth pastor, God, that we can um, take some of the wisdom and the patience that Adam has given us and um, be respectful to the same pastor as well, Lord. Uh, thank you for this church. Thank you for a great place to have fun and to serve. Lord, I pray that you just continue to bless this youth ministry, and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. We played a lot of dodgeball last with the middle school crew, and we played a number of games with them. And Erica gave me a jailbreak every time I got out. So I am exhausted. <laughs> I needed a lot of jailbreaks, and so... Um, it came down to the wire, though, that basically, like, to sum up my athletic career is summed up in this story, that I was the last person. It was, we were just playing traditional dodgeball. If you get out, you go to the side. It was me against – how many people were on the other side, Erica? Seven? seven? Me, me against seven. I said to myself, I've been training for this all my life. <laughs> and I started pagan kids. I did. It was down to one other person, me and a young middle school girl. She catches my ball. <laughs> so if I ever have another child, we are never naming her Hadley. <laughs> like that's just, that sums it up. Like you almost do something fantastic, but you don't. That's just kind of like how it is, but that was incredible. I wasn't even mad. I was really happy. For, she was just as surprised as we all were. <laughs> she, I got it, and it was awesome. So that's the end of it. That's how it ended, but that was awesome. Can't be mad about it. But um, I don't have any notes or anything. I have a passage I want to like, encourage us with, um, but I do want to share kind of a little bit of my journey. And um, I started in student ministry, when I was a senior in high school, I was 18 years old. Um, my church at the time at, at Pleasant Valley, there was two youth pastors and one of them had quit and we were just launching into the summer and I was gonna be around, I was gonna be at community college and I just said, hey, Brad, if you need me, I'm here. And so he used me, uh, he put me in roles, got my feet wet in ministry, and allowed me to fail in the areas I needed to fail in to grow. He allowed me to see the good side of ministry. He also allowed me to see like the ugly side of ministry at 18 years old. And I eventually became, started, I guess, the internship role that Pleasant Valley has. I was the first intern because of like the unfortunate circumstance that happened to, that led me to offering my help led to uh, an internship where a number of students, much like we do, where we have four students come and be interns. The same thing happens at Pleasant Valley, and I was a chance to be one of those first to 
to do that. And so I got my feet wet in ministry. And I didn't know if I wanted to be in ministry, but I knew that I wanted to be a part of a ministry. And so um, it was an amazing experience. I went to Bolivar um, for college, and I went there for two years, and I um, served in a local student ministry of the college that I went to and was a D group leader basically um, for that ministry for those two years. During my senior year of college, I had a church contact me um, in April of my senior year to go in view of a call. And what that means is you basically go before a church, you give like a testimony or a message in the church, you walk out of the room and the church votes on you if they want you as your youth pastor or not, or whatever you're applying for. And so I even said, <clears throat> I had a number of witnesses. I said freaking awesome in that message and they still hired me, unanimous vote. So it was not, I do not recommend that by the way. Some church is not cool with that. <laughs> They're just like, this guy said a cuss word. He said freaking. Um, but anyway, they hired me and I was, they waited for me to graduate. That I went back to Bolivar to finish out my senior year. I graduated from college May 19th of 2012. I started on May 20th of 2012. I went to Blue Springs and started right away. And I was there at that church for eight years. And I, I got to, again, see the good side of ministry, got to see God do amazing things, got to see the unfortunate circumstances of like my foolishness and I, I made some mistakes in that role, had to own those and um, had eight years of a great experience. Then on April 1st, 2020, Tim Fritzen texts me and says, hey, have you ever thought about transitioning roles? And I had had a nudge in my spirit that maybe my time at Living Stones was coming to an end and that was hard building a ministry from the ground up. They didn't have a youth ministry. So I started it and it grew to be, uh, not that it grew to be like amazing, but it grew and we saw the Lord work through it. And to leave that ministry was really hard. Um, but I felt that nudge in my spirit that maybe my time at Living Stones was coming to an end. And so um, I'm still wondering if Tim's text was a joke or not since it was on April 1st, but we'll see. Time will tell. But I eventually said, yeah, where would, where would this church, where would it be? And he said, here at LCF. And so I went before the leadership team interviewed during the stay-at-home order. I looked awful. My barber was obviously closed during COVID, like everyone's barber. And so I was like, dude, I usually clean up better to this, but I really tried the best I could. <laughs> I don't normally have my, my hair like this. And he was like, dude... Uh, we, we trust you. And so um, went before the leadership team and they hired me as youth pastor. And so I've been here for over two years now. And so being in student ministry from basically when I was 18 to now being 33, seeing the Lord and his goodness work in, in some of the ways that he's gifted me, but also seeing the Lord through his grace and not my giftedness has been a really good, good thing. But all the while, throughout that time, people talk to youth pastors and they say things that they don't really mean, but they'll say, you know, cute and adorable things like, when are you going to become a real pastor? And to me, that's a hurtful question because I, I am a pastor. I pastor students and students' hearts matter just as much as adults. And I really took that seriously that God has entrusted students to me to be under my care and I really took that seriously. And again, didn't do it perfectly. 
stumbled and fumbled my way through, learned a lot. All the while, God in his goodness would choose to work through a broken vessel like myself. All the while, though, no matter what was thrown at me, the, the thing that I wanted to do is to stay faithful. I don't know what the task at hand was, didn't know what I had myself in for, but all I knew is I wanted to stay faithful. And there's a lot of distractions, you guys know that, there's a lot of distractions in your world pulling you from the things that you want to live for. And all the while, like I was just trying to stay faithful. And again, I didn't do that perfectly. And I want to, I want you guys to know that my transition here from this position is not a promotion. Like, oh, Adam gets to play with the big boys now. Now I have to like wear my hat forwards. I'm not going to wear my hat forwards. <laughs> but the reality is, is that this isn't as much a step up as it is a step over. That I'm not, oh, now I'm becoming a real pastor because I've already fulfilled that I, I am a pastor. Um, I'm not taking a step up to gain some level of whatever um, I'm not trying to use student ministry as a stepping stone, stepping stone to something greater, if that makes sense. I'm using what God has gifted me with and the nudges from the Spirit to say, I just want to stay faithful, and I feel a nudge in this direction, and I took a step of faith, and I was accepted for that position. So now it's not that, oh, I feel like I've made it, I've arrived. It's that I, I'm just going to take a step over, and I... I want to stay faithful. I want to stay faithful to that. And just as much as I was to you guys, I want to stay faithful to that role. And I'm thankful that my last transition was there eight years and I left. And that's, that's hard. And that comes with the territory sometimes. But I'm thankful that I get to stay here and I get to be in relationship with you guys. And I get to see you on Sunday mornings. And I just get to be a part of your family's spiritual well-being in some way. And so I'm thankful for that. All the while, I've said that I haven't been perfect in this role. I haven't been perfect at staying faithful. There have, has been moments of negligence on my part. And all the while, I want to point you to Jesus. In my lack of faithfulness, I want to point you to Jesus. And it's in a passage that, honestly, I don't read a ton, but I think about it a lot. And it's the story of Thomas in John chapter 20. What do we know about Thomas? He had a lot of doubt, which would be really frustrating if you were Thomas. Like, I'm so much more than a doubter, right? But, but that's what we know about Thomas, is that Thomas had some doubts, right? And in this, uh, ver this section, John chapter 20, verse 24, Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, we've seen the Lord. This is when Jesus has already died on the cross, he's been buried, he's resurrected, and they're telling Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands or put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, don't miss that. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is a great story and a great picture that we see in Jesus, that Thomas verbalized what he needed to see. What was it? What did Thomas need to see? The wounds. He's like, I need to put my finger in the nail marks of his hand and my hand in his side, or I will never believe. Strong words. And Jesus through locked doors, comes to him, says, peace be with you. And he looks at Thomas, who Jesus wasn't there when Thomas said this, but he looks at Thomas and he said, put your finger right here. Put your hand in my side. Thomas verbalized what he needed to believe. Now, whether that's true or not, we don't know. But Jesus met Thomas where he was at even through a locked door, that in his doubts, in his insecurities, in his fumblings and stumblings, Jesus, our Savior, meets us where we're at and says, put your finger here. You need to see to believe, I'll show you. Blessed are those who don't see and believe. It's faith. That's our Savior, though that even in our imperfections and our efforts to stay faithful, he is the definition of faithful, even in our shortcomings, even in the things that we think we need to see, Jesus meets us there. And he wasn't frustrated. He didn't say, my gosh, Thomas, when are we ever gonna get this right? He said, peace be with you. The kindness of our savior the goodness of our Savior, the intentionality of our Savior, that he is willing to go through locked doors and locked hearts to give us what we need when we need it. And God has been faithful to do that for me, and I know that he will be faithful to do that to you. He's a good, good father. He knows his sheep. He knows what you need. And that should bring great comfort to us that God knows what you need and what you think you need. He knows them and he's willing to meet you there. I was going through a divorce a few years ago and I was cleaning out my house to go to a one bedroom apartment. And I was doing the last trip. My ex had some of her stuff in the garage. I had taken a load to the apartment. I had unloaded it. On the way back over, my dad could tell that I was um, not doing well. And I wasn't because was, it was awful. But it was, my dad knew me, though, and he verbalized it to my mom. I didn't know this at the time. But he said, I think Adam's really struggling now. And I go to the garage. I open it up, and all of the stuff is gone. And that blindsided me. And I just sat in my garage, and I wept. But what's comforting to me is that my dad, if you know him, most of you don't, but if you know my dad, he's not a man who's like in touch with his emotions. 
but my dad knows me and he knew I was struggling. And my mom told me that dad could tell that you were struggling. And that brought me comfort for whatever reason it did because I just felt like my dad knows me. And my dad's not perfect, but God, he's perfect. He is the perfect father that we desire and that we need. And he knows you, he knows you well. And he's willing to go through locked doors and locked hearts to show you himself. Even the things that you think you need. And that brings great comfort to me. And I hope that you guys will just offer up your hands and live open-handedly and say, God, I don't know how you want to use me, but I'm here to help. And then stay faithful. Stay faithful. That's my charge to you is that you stay faithful. Whatever it is that you are doing, that you stay faithful. And God in his goodness is going to show himself to you. I love you guys, and I'd love to um, pray over you before we dismiss to D groups. God, you uh, are so good to us in ways that we often take for granted. Lord, what you show us just in, in with Thomas, God, that in his doubts, Lord, you met him there and you weren't frustrated. Lord, I pray that you would continue that same heart in all of our hearts, God, that in our insecurities, in our moments, in our fumblings and stumblings, Lord, that in your goodness and in your kindness, you would meet us there. God, for the student that is just struggling, and is having a hard time just putting words to it. God, would you put words to their heart? God, would you bring the Psalms to mind that they would be able to just put the words that they're feeling, Lord, that we just see in Scripture? God, would you just meet us in whatever it is that we are wrestling with and grappling with? God, you have been faithful then and you are faithful now. And God, I pray that you would continue to call these students, Lord, that you would call them to yourself and that they would hear your voice and know your voice and they would respond in humble obedience to you, Lord. God, may we all come to know you more and more and see you more clearly. God, we love you, we thank you, and I pray that you would just continue to bless this ministry, that you would bless Erica and whoever else is coming alongside her, God, that you would just give them fresh wind in their sails. God, would you do that? We ask this of you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. You're dismissed to your D group.